0: This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are happy to have you guys with us back for a wonderful little liquor week. Right, Dad?
1: Yeah, it's special liquors.
0: Yeah, well, there's no real theme. We just both kind of picked uh, liquors that we enjoy, and we're going to have a great time today. So, Dad, what are you Wait a minute. I enjoy
1: uh, a... I don't know you picked it you've wanted you've been wanting to do ouzo for that's a right that's right I've been wanting to do it we at one point we had a greek theme and you know we we kind of switched things around I'm gonna enjoy it today I know that okay I've yeah. got stories about it not this particular bottle but I think it's gonna be a fun one yeah so you've got like you said you've got ouzo what are your pairings this week all right my pairings are greek I have stuffed grape leaves I have hummus with pita chips and a Euro sandwich. Okay. Pretty traditional, but when you go on the website and you talk about ouzo or you look up ouzo, see, it's an aperitif. It's not really a meal drink. Right. So I'm using it as a meal drink. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got two things that are kind of app- that are appet- appetizer-y. Yeah, I do. But when you do go on that website, and, of course, in Greece, you can get an octopus. Oh. They do their thing with it, and they kind of use their two little finger and thumb, and they eat the octopus, and they sip their ooza. Uh,
0: it sounds like you're going to have some great stories and everything to tell, but we gotta, we got to get through the opening first. All right. So I know last week I said I was going to do Calvados, but I realized I was going back over show notes and everything, that I have already done the Calvados so rather than repeating I switched it up and I went to the end of the meal and I have the Godiva chocolate liqueur and this is their milk chocolate liqueur oh yeah and so I've got all desserts pairing I've got ooey gooey butter cookies I've got a peanut butter icebox pie and then a southern caramel pedophore
1: they all look good
0: yeah so I'm very very excited about getting into mine but we'll have to wait till the end of the meal for that. So, before we get started, Dad, let's talk
1: about the blind from last week. Oh yeah, that was a blind. What did you call it? Well, I got orange notes very distinctly on the taste, not on the nose. It was a unfiltered, foggy, like wheat, but I ended up saying it was a wit from Europe. What was it, Josh? You were right on the style. It was a Belgian Wheat beer brewed with Valencia oranges, but it was Blue Moon. See, I don't drink a lot of Blue Moon, and as as soon as you revealed it to me, it's like, that was it. Yeah, but, you know, that's the interesting thing about tasting
0: stuff blind, is all your preconceived notions about what is in your glass goes away. That's right. And you realize Blue Moon's actually not half bad.
1: It's not. Had you put a orange... (laughs) Garnish slice. on that baby. I'd have had a better chance of getting. Yeah, but you My did got it, <laughs> But you still
0: did. You still did really well on that. I'll give you full full mark, half marks, no three quarter marks. I'll give you three quarter marks. On all right, good. You're on the wrong side of the ocean. So all right, all right. <laughs> full mark. Well, let's go ahead and get into the liquors this week. So once again, Dad, you're going to be going first this week because you have the apéritif. And remind everybody what we are going to be drinking and eating.
1: Okay, it's it has a big 12 on the bottle, Uzo. And when I bought it, I said, oh, is this thing 12 years old? And he goes, no, that's just the name of it. That's just the name of it. And for my snack, I have stuffed grape leaves, I have hummus with pita chips, and I have a Euro sandwich. All right. So all oh, sounds, it looks good. So you can do that in any order, but, you know, the grape leaves and the, and the hummus, they're, they're more of the appetizer, yeah. and that would probably fit better with this aperitif, but that sandwich is going to be good, too. I know it is. It came from uh, Leo's. Everything in mine came from Leo's. Everything was bought mm-hmm. today. So the, the the reason for the 12, the distillery that makes this uzo, they did all this kind of experimenting, and they were putting – them in barrels they're different choices they're different experiments of how they were going to make this ouzo. uh-huh as it turned out barrel number 12 oh was the winner okay so that's where that came from and of course now greece may not be known for a for a lot of wine i mean you're the wine guy
0: they have they have actually quite a bit of they've got quite a bit of wine coming out from greece a lot of the isles really do Mm -hmm. greece you know Mm -hmm. there's a and malavese i think is another one um they also do a lot of what are called orange wines which are white wines that get skin contact but yeah there is they do they do have a lot of wine growing i mean heck it's greece ancient greece
1: yeah so it's kind of like italy in my mind italy has lots and lots of wine and then they make the grapple yeah so greece Undoubtedly, has has lots of wine, but they take the grapes and they make the ouzo. On the nose, there is no, no missing what this smells like. It smells like anise. Yep. It smells like fennel. Fennel, licorice stick. There's coriander. There's cinnamon, uh, the codamon that may, we may taste, maybe not smell. And it is all pot stilled and resulting in this li- this liquor. Okay,
0: so this is pot's st- it's pot stilled. It's not just it's not column stilled. That's right. Yeah, you cannot get the I cannot get past that Anise. It is all up in your face. Yeah. Fennel. I understand now why that why octopus would go well with this. Cause it has that kind of bright, fresh earthiness that kinda of would match the earthy sea that you would get from
1: kind of that sea flavor that you would get from octopus. You know, on the website of the several different websites I looked at, this is how to drink it, sip it. <laughs> it's 40%. Yeah. It can be less than that. They can go up to 43, I think was the max. Okay. But they're going to be that 40%. You're not going to do a shooter because you've got all those flavors that Anise and just that little sip that I took. It didn't burn my nose hair smelling it, but it's got a good, pretty good little burn going down the throat. <laughs> yeah.
0: I took a sip of it, too, and it is very, very anisey. Like, but it's got a good weight to it. There is some viscosity with a light little sweetness, but mm-hmm. the main thing I was getting is that really spicy, spicy kind of flavor. Like, I mean, it's almost like you just put your face, like you have a star anise, and you just put it straight in your mouth, mm-hmm. which I would not suggest, by the way.
1: Right. Right. The interesting thing is that when I looked at this since 2006, Ouzo can only be made in Greece thanks to this important uh, Greek heritage and the EU approval of a protected designation of the origin of right. this liquor. Now, when I researched number 12, yeah, I got Istanbul Oh yeah. Okay. So there is some Turkish background with Uzo, and I guess there's other places that well, kind of maybe have their own. Yeah, there are more than just one.
0: I mean, Uzo is not the only anise flavored exactly. liquor that's out there. Um, and Sambuca, yeah, is another one that is anise flavored. Absinthe, yeah, is anise as well. So with Istanbul, we're talking with Italy and Greece. We're talking very. Mediterranean climate where I'm not exactly sure where all starne grows mm-hmm. but it is it seems to be that there's a lot of influence there and if you go back to the history of the the area there's a lot of you know Greek expansion and then the then the Ottomans come through and the Rome and the Romans so there couldn't dating back there could be a lot of shared heritage and a shared culture with these beverages as the as the history of the of the region
1: goes, you know, one follows the other kind of thing. Now, had I known this, it wouldn't have helped. Mm-hmm. This was the only Uzo on the shelf. Oh, really? Really? Our friendly closest liquor store. But the island of Lesbos, L-E-S-V-O-S, is the official Uzo center of Greece. Okay, so it's kind of like where it originated. Yes, and there's a certain town on this island now you're zeroing in on the town and the distilleries of that town on that island right and, and in the write-up it says it, it's called uh Barbeina is the town okay and it says those people are insane <laughs> now i don't know if it has to do with drinking a lot of ouzo or just what right but that was that characteristic and on this site for this island there's lots and lots and lots of different types of uzo.
0: yeah i mean I, I i would imagine like most other spirits that you know you have your traditionalists who just do straight anise and then you know people build their other spices now when it's distilled dad is it so is it just distilled from the leftover grape skins or that's my understanding guys. okay so there's not actually anise do they add? No, no, they, they
1: add all these. Okay, so they add the flavors. They add the flavors like you would in gin. Now I couldn't. I couldn't figure out if they add those flavors and do exactly what gin does, and put those up at the top of the pot still. The vapor is still, yeah. But that's my suspicion. Okay, based on is it is a pot still. Okay, so that's what I think they do. So as I'm uh, continuing to talk away, oh, go ahead and yeah i mean uh, something and i tried the grape leaf very traditional you see that at any greek uh, let's say grocery store you can buy those or any greek restaurant you can can get
0: that you can buy them in a lot of just grocery stores a lot of times they'll come canned and Uh they won't actually be marketed as grape leaves some they'll use the greek term domas
1: domas yeah, the
0: middle Middle Eastern term, dolmas, yeah, and that's what they are. I mean, they're stuffed grape leaves with rice and lemon. And, yeah, you know, the lemon kind of played pretty well with the spiciness. It does. Don't
1: it it kind of. I did the <clears throat> grape leaf, and and yeah, the the rice and the grape leaf. So, what does the grape leaf taste like? You know, it's like I don't know, but all of that seemed to calm down the anise and the fennel and all those flavors. Yeah, but you still got that alcohol bite.
0: Right. From this 40%. Now, when you tasted it, did you have, did the anise complement everything that was going on in it the seemed, Doma or it, did it get lost?
1: No, it, it complemented it, but it calmed it down. It didn't get lost. That's yeah. Much. It's still there. And but it kind of blended in with just the Doma. It seemed to, it seemed to blend in. And oh, I was good. happy with that. That's good. Now, I wonder how the octopus would work because the octopus, there's all kinds of different ways to cook an octopus. Typically, you want to boil it for a long time and then let it cool and then maybe grill it or something like that. Otherwise, it can get real chewy. Yeah. You know, when we were in Italy, our driver for our wine tour, that's what he had for lunch. It was you know octopus. Yeah, six or seven and eight inches around.
0: Yeah, we have a couple of places in town that do octopus. Some of them do octopus salad. I think one just does like a uh, grilled octopus like appetizer.
1: So back in 1980, before you and Marie were either born, yep, we lived in Olathe, Kansas, which is a suburb, basically Kansas City. And I mentioned Tasso's. So there's a couple across the street. And you know, when you're my age and you think back that many years ago, yeah, things kind of get maybe melded together. Uh huh. I think we might have gone to Tasso's twice. I think once we went. Had a nice meal. The belly dancer comes out. We watch the belly dancer. We do our dollars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then this particular time that I'm thinking of, I'm ashamed. I can't remember that across the street neighbor's name. Um, But he planned a going away trip for us. Okay. And I don't know why he picked Tassos. Okay. But we had, I think we had done Uzo at their house before. Because they just lived across the street. But anyway, we go to Uzo's, or we go to Tasso's, and we got the big meal and the belly dancer and all that, and Mr. Tasso, and he's still on my, I looked at the website, he's still around, Mr. Tasso Sr. He comes around and he takes his bottle, and it has got one of those pour spouts. Yeah. And either A, you open your mouth, <laughs> and you take a little Uzo in your mouth, or B, you may get it on your face because he's going to pour it no matter what no matter what and so i took a drink of it and he kept pouring and finally he stopped and then he took my glasses off i didn't know my glasses were even dirty <laughs> and so he's washing my glasses with the ooza well you know think about it the sprays that we get at the at the eye doctor now yeah. it's got high alcohol not a, I mean, this is not that high. Nowhere near <laughs> high. <you know? laughs> but, but yeah, that's that was what he was doing. Oh, he's my cleaning goodness. my glasses for me. It's like, dude.
0: You're <laughs> like, okay. Well, I mean, if you wouldn't have been pouring Uzo down my gullet, they may not
1: have getting, gotten dirty. <laughs> right. But that was, that oh, was man. one of my
0: stories. So I see you've got some water on the table. Yes. Some cold water. What's is that What's that there for and kind of what's what's going on with that?
1: You can go on a website and look up Ouzo cocktails. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's all kinds of cocktails with, and you can imagine, with Ouzo. With a little bit of this, a little bit of gin, a little bit of vodka, a little bit of whatever. But I think what the Greeks and what this says is, what the Greeks like to do is take some ice water and mix it into their Ouzo. Okay. And what it'll do, and we'll check this out if it's cold enough it'll kind of make that ouzo and that water into a little foggy little yellowing, like milky color okay so go ahead and try that
0: Uh, i'm gonna try that but before i do because i've already gone through the hummus kind of it was okay it was a weird flavor combination i don't think of anise with hummus right and the texture the texture kind of went well because it the hummus being so smooth and creamy mm-hmm. kind of calmed down the ouzo. Let me know what you think. I'm going to go ahead and pour this and see what actually happens. Um, so I just got a little bit of cold water and I'm going to pour it in. And oh my goodness, it does. <laughs> it does make it cloudy. I'm going to take a picture of it. You got a picture of it? I'm going to. Yeah. So Sambuca actually does this too. Jordan and I were at the pantry here in town. Mm-hmm. and. A guy came in and ordered a Sambuca and water, and it did the same thing. And I didn't. we didn't know what he was drinking. Mm-hmm. And we asked the bartender. He told us, he's like, yeah, it's kind of my favorite way to drink it. You know, the water, it turns cloudy when there's water in there. It's like, that's a, like a magic trick.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> now now how how I went, does it taste? Is
0: it- I haven't tasted it yet. I, I'm, I'm trying to think, what are the, what chemical reaction is happening right now to make this <laughs> cloudy? H2O and alcohol, they don't want to mix. Yeah, but... But they but did. You, but when you put, when you do a whiskey and water, it doesn't turn cloudy. No. It tastes, it tastes the same. It just tastes watered. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the texture is a little bit thinner. The anise flavor is a little bit lessened. It's not as intense. It's, to me, it's more drinkable, but I also don't enjoy the flavors of anise and fennel. Mm-hmm. So for me, it makes it a little bit easier to drink because all those flavors of it are lessened. Mm hmm. It might go better with the Euro now because I had it with the Euro before I put the water in and it felt like the heat was intense. Like this, the heat of the alcohol seemed to be intensified mm-hmm. with all the big heavy flavors of the meat. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really get any of the anise flavor or anything from here because there's, I mean, there's fennel in the lamb meat. So I, I couldn't quite distinguish what,
1: you know, kind of what it brought to the. What it brought yeah. to the table, yeah, because uh-huh. it was already there. I agree with you about the hummus. That that pairing didn't really work because the creaminess and everything that you said was so true. I mean, and the ouzo just kind of washes over it and says, move along, doggy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: You and mom have never been to Greece. Mm-mm. Is that right? Mm-mm. And you guys haven't really done anything in the Middle East either. I, Israel, Mm-mm. Egypt, Le- Turkey, no, those sorts of things no okay i you know i've had some friends who have gone to greece most of them at the time when they went to were underage but they did say like they did say like Uzo was around like you said Mm -hmm. and you see people just sipping it you know at the cafes before lunch it's it's a very or not before lunch before dinner um well maybe some people before lunch but it's it's a very common it's a common aperitif you know very before your meal Mm -hmm. very with little tapas style stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I, I you know they they just said it was you know kind of all around but
1: it, it makes some good cheeses <laughs> would really go well what type of cheese are you thinking well n- not the not a gouda not, excuse me not a blue cheese but more like a gouda a kind of soft gouda or even some of that uh Eng- english cheddar mm-hmm something that has has some texture to it and i think that would go well with the ouzo itself yeah and the you know the fennel and those things that wouldn't that wouldn't wash over the cheese wouldn't wash over the, the drink yeah now if you got the Humboldt fog or something i don't know what would happen
0: i don't think that would work really well no, I, don't I don't think either. it i don't think it wants super strong astringent flavors like you said with the blue cheese i think it would be the same kind of thing with the blue right but I do think softer cheeses would mm-hmm. be, would go really well with this because it would give some of that weight. It mm-hmm. would give that the a place to go. Mm-hmm. Like I think about any cheese that would go well with truffles, that right. really earthy kind of mushroomy truffly flavor, I think would go well with this Ouzo. Even some, maybe some just plain old goat cheese. Right. If it's not too sour, not too acidic, I think would would bump up really nicely against that and seafood. Yeah. I think some More like light little, seafood. Yeah. yeah. Octopus, you know, but lightly grilled like prawns, mm-hmm. boiled shrimp. This would be an interesting, I don't know how it would work with the spiciness of, of it, but it would be an interesting like thing to have sipping as you're like beginning a crawfish boil. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think it would go well while you're doing the crawfish. I think it would be a great kind of summery, summer, warmer temperature kind of drink.
1: Well, just a simple, and if you wanted the water, like Uzo, water, and like some lemon. Just some something to give it a little bit of that citrus bite right, would go well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these, these Uzo's been around since the, officially, I think the first official distillery is like the 18 days, but... Been around long before that. Oh, yeah. And it could be the the mythical gods brought it down from <laughs> on high. I don't know. <laughs> you know,
0: I bet some fried calamari would work. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Any, any type of, like, oh, yeah. seafood appetizer. That's why I was thinking about, like, a low country boil or a crawfish boil. Yeah. Would be interesting as kind of like your first little drink that you're having with some water. I like that idea of the lemon, though. I yeah. like that idea of a little squeeze of lemon in there to brighten it up. Or even orange. Because orange and fennel go really well together, um, so I think it would be. I think maybe just a squeeze of orange. Well,
1: have you had a fennel steak? What steak with fennel?
0: No, okay. I don't like. I don't like fennel, so
1: i I wouldn't. Oh, okay. I wouldn't order it. It's, it's an acquired tasting, like this right <laughs> here. All this shit that we're doing. So then, in I, some fennel. I told about nineteen eighty. Well, it wasn't very many years later. So in nineteen eighty, they gave us a going away party because you we were, were moving to Kentucky. Definitely. We to Kentucky, that's where I was going to be, on a coal-fired power plant wet grubber. And if you don't know what that is, email us, and I'll be happy to go <laughs> into that later. But it's not something we need to go into at this point on the podcast. But if you know about power plants, you know that there's a lot of big, huge buildings with big, huge steel, that is support steel to hold all these things up. And if you know that much, then you know we we have to paint this steel because the acidity of what's in that building could cause rust and cause the whole thing eventually come tumbling down, which nobody wants. Nobody wants that. Well, on this particular project, the painters were Greek, okay? All the painters that came out to the job site, to my knowledge, none of them spoke in. okay. So the project manager was having some difficulty of communication. And just like anything else, you want a particular color for this particular area, and you want a particular thickness of paint for that particular area, but you don't want the paint to be so thick that you get the running. Yeah. I think his name was uh, John Paradikos. John doesn't sound right from a Greek name, but Peridicus probably is. At any rate, he would come in to the construction trailer to visit with Tom, our project manager, carrying a bottle of ozone each hand. <laughs> okay. And he'd set them down on Tom's desk and say, we paint. We fix it. Because he'd gotten the word that either it was the wrong color, yeah, or there was so much paint that there was a run. Well, with you would think, what's the problem with a run of paint? Well, there's air behind it. And so eventually that rust can get in there and cause cause that steel to start rusting. Right. So I don't know how many times Dyrdekas <laughs> would come in there with two bottles of Uzo, one in each hand, and say, we fix, we paint, and put them on Tom's desk. And Tom took them home, and I don't know what he did with them. Well, I bet he drank them. Well, I don't know. <laughs> he sure didn't he share hurt. it. Never invited you. He over. didn't share it with Don and I. <laughs> but but yeah, it was like time after time after time. Here comes the Uzo, and I bet it was really well. I don't know what kind of Uzo you can get in Kentucky, but uh, I'm sure it was.
0: He may he may have brought a couple cases with him. Maybe got him sh- or got him shipped to him. You know, shipping right. was a whole lot different then. Right. This is pretty good.
1: And you like the you like the euro.
0: Yeah. With the euro when I had it, once again, there's there's a there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of flavors going on in a euro, especially in the lamb meat it, itself. And so the fennel, the nice fennel flavor is already in the lamb meat because they use fennel in the lamb meat mm-hmm. dried fennel seed. And so it kind of get it kind of gets lost mm. in there. And all that was really left was the alcohol. Now, after the water, you know, it's still the kind of the same thing. But it was, i mean—it was a good euro. I'll—I'll <laughs> uh, I'll let you finish chewing and let me know what you what you think of it. I mean, I don't have any Uzo stories. Uzo is <laughs> not one of those things. And now, Sambuca—I, Sambuca—the only like real stories I have is like the first time I ever tried it. You know, I get it, I get it put in front of me and I'm like, what in the world? Why are there bugs in my glass? Mm -hmm. And because the Roman tradition of putting, they put coffee or espresso beans, Mm -hmm. three espresso beans um, and that whole kind of tradition there. And I mean, I haven't seen it when I've looked at it, but are there any traditions when it comes to ouzo that you've seen like that in your research? Not not that I'm aware of. So What do you think of Well, that is magic. I know
1: you just, <laughs> just poured pour water in mine, it's just amazing.
0: So, what did uh, what did you think of the euro and what the it's like, it's,
1: now? A lot of places you go, I've gone to get a euro at some of those places where they well, like those uh, maybe it's that uh, Brazilian steakhouse place where they have that big honk and the spit, they're, and they're cutting they're, off and it and they're cutting it off in, in thin layers. Uh huh. This is really thick, yeah. So it sort of was unrelenting as far as the thickness of that meat and the fennel that was in that meat. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't get the sauce and the onion and the tomato like I like it mm-hmm. to kind of mix it all together. Right. So it was, it was like on like. Yeah. But it was fennel on fennel. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so they, they weren't fighting with each other but they were overwhelming to each other.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of, you know, it kind of goes back and forth with kind of how that how that play works. Now, this water makes it milky. Visually,
1: Visually. but not, not on your palate. But it does calm it down. I mean, it's like taking your bourbon and putting water in it. It's not going to be as as alcoholy hot, right? And this doesn't seem to be as alcoholy hot or as anise and fennel spicy. Right. Right. So I, I can see why the Greeks or anybody would want to do it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's just
0: not everybody enjoys sipping straight alcohol. Right. So having a little bit of water
1: does help. Right. But there are some there are some <laughs> beautiful cocktails. The Greek Revolution Shooter. Yeah. Let's see. Well, it turns out red. Well, where's the recipe? These are just pictures. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I think you, you could come up with. There's different recipes for this Uzo.
0: Yeah, it's, I'm sure there are a lot of cocktails that it's involved in.
1: Well, that's, uh,
0: anything else you,
1: that's pretty much what I have. And the glassware that they show is a very simple glass and you'll see on the Instagram, you know, I've got a not quite so simple glass, but I don't know that it really matters what you drink that Uzo out of. Right. It's not really something that you're not gonna nose it like the Glen Cairn glass, wow. You know, but uh and it says it says to uh drink it cool. It says don't refrigerate it, but I I did refrigerate it for a little while to cool it down and then the the water. Well, any or any other questions about it? No, I think
0: I think I'm good to go. Uh it's, uh it was fun fun tasting through that. You ready to switch over to mine? Absolutely all right well so we're gonna go ahead and switch over to the after meal drink and i have godiva chocolate liqueur as our liquor and then i have a ooey gooey butter cookie mm. from a local cookie shop called the whimsy cookie and then i have a peanut butter ice box pie and a pet a southern caramel pedophore the pie and the pedophore from a local shop called blue Cake company well okay I'm I'm super excited about this. So, Godiva, you that know it is cold. No,
1: no,
0: okay. it is not. It is room temperature. Okay, um, it is a chocolate liqueur. It is going to be sweet, and it is meant to be after dinner, or maybe in like a chocolate martini or things like that. But it's meant to be sweet. So I went ahead and did a dessert pairing with it. It looks like chocolate milk, <laughs> like. It just straight so up
1: Valentine's is coming up. I think Josh has already jumped, jumped well, ahead of it on
0: the drink. When, when we're recording this, Valentine's is coming up. When well, we're when right. this comes out, it's going to be a little bit after Valentine's. Yeah, day.
1: Valentine's is tomorrow based on us recording it. It's in two days. Tomorrow's the Super Bowl. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not our normal
0: Sunday. Yeah, we're we're recording we're recording a day early because of the Super Bowl tomorrow. No oh, cheese.
1: Oh man.
0: Yeah, they guys they screw the pooch on that one. But Godiva is a Belgian chocolate company that has been around f- since, I think, the 1800s. It's now owned by a worldwide conglomerate. You can find Godiva chocolate
1: everywhere. Oh, just the chocolate itself.
0: Yeah, just the chocolate itself. Oh, yeah. Because that's kind of the parent company. There is not a lot out there about this liquor itself. It I can't really tell you what its base is, but I can tell they, I can tell they add the chocolatiness after, after they distill it. And most, this is how most chocolate liqueurs or most flavored liqueurs are done nowadays. They're how like,
1: would you compare it to like Five Farms?
0: Like how it's done? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same. taste. it tastes. Well, it's completely different mm. because Five Farms is just cream, is an Irish cream. So right. it's, you know, good cream. dairy cream and Irish whiskey. mm mm-hmm. This is like chocolate I guess you could say this would be like if you use chocolate cream rather than regular cream. Mhm. But it really does have that great chocolatey taste. The alcohol on it, I would assume is very low. It is actually 15% alcohol. What? Yes, it's only 15% alcohol. The it's oh. I I really enjoy it. It's sweet, but it's not overly sweet when it comes to the flavors of it. Like I said earlier, there's After a- this,
1: ouzo, I can't even taste it. <laughs> Whatever. Sorry. Whatever. That was a bad daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: It is not as punch you in the mouth flavor wise as the Uzo is, but it does have a good subtle chocolatey flavor to it.
1: So you said it was twenty three percent?
0: Fifteen. Fifteen. It's fifteen percent. Okay. It is lower alcohol by volume than
1: some wines. Yeah yeah big cab big merlot or in that 15 range that ooey gooey butter cookie so it's really good it doesn't
0: matter they're all desserts eat what you want first the cookie was first on my plate so that's where i went
1: that's the closest on my plate too oh man that cookie now all of these came
0: from blue cake no the cookie came from whimsy cookie company Mm, mm. Uh, but the other two came from blue cake but this cookie is just it's literally like just a butter cookie Mm -hmm. it's not vanilla-y it's really just kind of soft like gooey butter it's like if i was thinking if you were going to make a lemon cookie this would be the base before you add the lemon flavoring to it exactly and they cook them to where they're gooey on the inside there's
1: like four or five times butter to the flour
0: (laughs) okay so good (laughs) Mm. that goes well to me it, it shows the alcohol just a little bit mm-hmm. but but the chocolatiness with the, the butteriness of the cookie and the ooiness, the ooey gooey ooey of the cookie goes goes really well together.
1: Oh, okay. Now when you and mom were in Belgium, did you guys go to Godiva? I do not think so. Okay. So the trip to Belgium was I think my sixty fifth. No. No, no. No, it was earlier than that. Fifty fifth. And Joanne saw in the newspaper. Arkansas goes Gazette, a beer and chocolate trip tour. So it was mostly about the beer. Right. And so I don't know how many beers I had a day. <laughs> I quit counting. It, it's four or five. <laughs> and the chocolate, I think I told this story about Mary's chocolate. Yeah. But I don't think we went to Godiva.
0: Okay. And like I said, it's a it's a big, it's owned now by a big, you know, multinational conglomerate. Their Their United States headquarters are in New York City. And but that it was, is in Belgium.
1: It, R- Brussels, Belgium.
0: I don't know if it. It. I'm pretty sure they still have a mm-hmm. have one in Brussels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it started in 1926 in Brussels by the Drake family. Mm-hmm. Oh. Opened their first shop in the Grand Palace of Brussels. Brussels. Oh, wow. Okay. And you know the name, the name honors <laughs> the the legend of Lady Godiva. You know, Lady Godiva was. The one who rode into town on the horse with nothing on but herself, and that's why the logo for Godiva is a lady on a horse yeah it's because they're they're paying they're paying tribute to that legend and I mean so like like I said it's been it's owned by a big multinational I think the from what I can tell, the liquor is made in the United States oh yeah, yeah. It's actually made, it's made here in, in the U.S. up in New York, but it's a really, really good liquor. My, <laughs> as you're going on to the next pairing, I guess I'll tell my my first story with this. So when I was first drinking, well, if you're a long time listener to the show, first of all, you know I have a sweet tooth. And if you're a long time listener, you also know that I did some experimenting with alcohol and, and cocktails and stuff with my friend
1: Dave. Stop laughing, Dave. Just <laughs> he, listen.
0: He knows, he knows where this is headed, I think. And Godiva Godiva liqueur was one of the things that we had that we would experiment with, and the one of the things that we would do is uh, we would make mudslides, mm. but our mudslides consisted of a pint of cookies and cream ice cream,
1: mm.
0: uh, Bailey's and Godiva liqueur. Mm-hmm. Put it in a blender, blend it up, let it go pour it in a glass and drink it so it's basically a boozy milkshake mm-hmm. so i that's kind of how i was introduced to, to godiva liqueur and I, I i really do like it you know they have a, a white chocolate a regular chocolate and then a dark chocolate version of these i'm not a huge fan of the white chocolate so i've never really bought it but the dark chocolate has that really good big
1: bitter that's kind of dark chocolate love. flavor all right. all right what did you what did you try next? Oh, the cookies Like I already said, it's like so buttery. It's unbelievable. And then the pedophore Mm -hmm. um, was sort of a letdown. I mean, it's sweet. It's good. But after the the cookie and after the Godiva chocolate, it just kind of was there. It didn't really have any outstanding attributes as far as itself. Okay. I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The idea that we were drinking water with it it would have been fantastic right
0: (laughs) right so the idea there was try to get a chocolate caramel kind of thing going on i had the the peanut butter icebox pie Mm -hmm. holy moly that's good the chocolatiness plus the peanut butter i mean peanut butter and chocolate to me are are one of those matches made in heaven can't go can't go wrong with the reese's peanut butter cup Mm -mm. peanut butter and chocolate to me just are Mm -hmm. things that should go together Right. Always. And right. the with this icebox pie has, you know, a good good layer of whipped cream on top and, you know, crushed cookie crust.
1: So it just, it all goes really, really well with this liqueur. So we've got two opposites today. Yes, we do. Totally opposite Because we didn't have a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And for the listeners' sake, there's nothing wrong with that. You, a couple of listeners want to get together and let's say do a special liqueur. And everybody bring one? That sounds like a great party to me. Right. Can everybody just bring their own? Makes you have a lot of food. Well, yeah. Not so much with the 15 as the 40. Uh, but still, we need a lot of food. Yeah. Especially if we have six listeners getting together with six different <laughs> six, six bottles. wonder what would be in between these two. Never mind, never mind. We'll figure that out. Whiskey. <laughs> Straight whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Without all that fennel. Yeah. Or rum. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. A good rum would be good, too. You know, I had, last night, I had the the Diplomatico Reserva Excelsior, I think is what it is. It's their kind of top end, and That would be something that could begin to bridge the gap. Right. Between the two. There are many cocktail options when it comes to this, when it comes to Godiva, the Godiva liqueur. You know, most of the ones that are listed on the website are basically like plays off of a chocolate martini oh yeah yeah they have the just a straight chocolate martini then they call the truffolini. uh, Oh what a truffolini? a truffle truffle latini oh truffle latini which uses the milk chocolate the white chocolate and vodka to in equal parts to make the to make the teeny You got a spicy martini, a pumpkin pie teeny. And yeah, I mean, so all of these are, you know, going to be sweeter, Mm -hmm. sweeter style cocktails. Um, I think you could, you could definitely use this with a coffee liqueur to make it, to make Mm -hmm. something or even just like some kind of like strawberry or raspberry liqueur would work, would blend well with this to give it extra flavors. Absolutely. I know on the, uh, when you did peppermint, on the episode where you did peppermint schnapps, we talked about the merry little shot. Yeah. And I've, so that was another place where I've used Godiva liqueur to get a chocolate peppermint uh-huh. kind of thing going on. So what'd you think of the, uh, the peanut butter icebox pie? Made in heaven. <laughs> I know. Made in heaven. First of all, the pie itself is just really the good. The pie
1: itself is absolutely made in heaven. And then just to add the, the sip of the Godiva just puts it over the top.
0: You know, as much as we've scoffed at this being 15%, you know, the more I think about it, 15% may not be a bad idea for this. You know, it's, it's the flavors are, I would kind of call them delicate when they're put together. They're not, like I said, they're not really punch you in the facey. They're not overtly there. They're there just very subtly, but mm-hmm. very in, but still with a lot of flavor. And I think if you try to kick up the alcohol, it could put some of that out of balance and you're having it after a meal where you've been drinking the entire time 15 percents not a bad idea to roll your night out with
1: i agree with you because that 40 percent would make this terribly out of balance.
0: you have to and it would have to have so much chocolate to back it up to back up the alcohol that it would just be so it would be super chocolate it almost be like chocolate syrup close to it um i so i kind of agree with you with the pedophore um, the pedophore gives you that good kind of sweet, that very light caramely flavor. Mm-hmm. And there's just not enough really besides the sweet to kind of match up with this liqueur. But like I said, there's not much, there's not much out there about it. I know it comes from the Godiva group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't even talk about how it's put together. I would assume it's just it's either going to be like a rum or a whiskey base. Doesn't
1: seem so like Godiva that. is French based.
0: No, it is technically Belgian. Belgium, that's right. Um, what you said. It is current, but it is owned. You know, it was it was sold in the seventies to United, to a company in the United States. Then it was sold again to an international conglomerate because
1: you know it's getting harder and harder to keep up with that.
0: Right, especially large groups. Mm-hmm. and i mean it was owned by the Campbell soup company right. camel soup company was who bought them in the 70s and then it ended up selling to it sold godiva to a, a turkish conglomerate in the in the early 2000s so that's why i was I'm like it, originally it did start in belgium but that's now those beers last week it's place.
1: like who owns me <laughs> it's like uh not the guy that owned you last week right (laughs) well
0: you know with holding companies and investment groups who Mm -hmm. you know asset you know asset management kind of groups it's a big game it's almost a big shell game Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. anyway i i really enjoy this i think it's a it's a fun thing to have Mm -hmm. it may not be your cup of tea for every day but i think with some of the specific
1: pairings i think it would be really good Mm -hmm. and just to have ooze on your shelf you, you may not you're not gonna drink it every night Just to have that liquor cabinet. And the price point was 20 something. So it's not going to set you back. Right. And that you you bought a pretty small (laughs) bottle of the Godiva.
0: Yeah. The half bottle was $17. I think the full bottle was $30. -hmm. Not bad to have, you know, a little bottle on the shelf. I think it's time for best on plate. Uh oh. (laughs) Um,
1: All right. Best on your plate was peanut butter pie. (laughs) Yeah. That was no no doubt about
0: it. Yeah, the cookie and the gooeyness worked really well with the chocolate, but the peanut butter and the peanut butter and the pie were just mm-hmm. were just lights out. What about on your plate, the euro, the euro? Yeah, mm-hmm. I have to agree with you there. The domas were just a little light for it, right? The hummus just covered it up too have much. To find some to
1: try that because that was just all over every website but, I found. I of think, of course, that, in in Greece. I mean, they just dive down there and there's...
0: Right. I think Costco sells octopus. Okay. Like pre-cooked, ready just to kind of heat up on... You can probably just heat it up on the grill. Mm-hmm. Get some char on it. Well, that's what it says to do. Is
1: boil it 40 minutes, let it cool down to room temperature or less. pour it on the grill and have at it. So,
0: all right. I think we're ready to start pouring out the blind.
1: All right. I'll get you poured up. It's just my whole habit of it.
0: <laughs> All right, so Dad's got ahead, went ahead and got me a liquor here to blind. This liquor is caramel in color, uh, so not I'm, Uzo. I'm gonna assume that there is some kind of oak aging on it. It is clear. There's no fogginess, no cloudiness to it. um it Smells slightly sweet, um almost like there's almost like of honey. Uh, there's a little bit of nuts, kind of roasty in the background. Um, I'm a little congested, so I'm having a little of a hard time smelling.
1: <laughs> and I'm getting a little chocolate from the last drink. <laughs> from, <laughs> so, getting a little, get little better, car- a little carryover. But it has nice leg. You notice that? Yeah, um,
0: it is. It's on the lighter side in the smell, from what I'm getting. But once again, I'm a little. Like I said, I'm a little congested. Um, Let's go ahead and give it a taste. Mm. Thinner on the palate than I was expecting. Um, Not real coating. It's not real hot. Um, There is alcohol going on there, but it's not super prevalent uh, for a liquor. It's
1: more than 15%. Well,
0: yes. That's (laughs) why I said for a liquor. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's not like super burny. It's not making me breathe fire. It definitely is, um, it's there, but it's probably up in the the 30 to 40 range. And right. I wouldn't say it's over 45, 46. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, man, this is really delicately flavored. Um, there is definitely oak usage. You get that kind of nice woody oakiness. It's really light on the palate. There's not a whole lot of expressiveness, um, there's some kind of like light nuttiness there's some um, it's not overtly sweet. it's not really showing that it could be a particular grain um so it feels really light like I keep going back to this this idea of it being light and clean um on the flavors and especially the palate now <laughs> I am having a hard time tasting. <laughs> Because I am, I'm quite congested. That's the third time I've said that. Okay. Um. So because of the oak aging, the lack of extra botanicals, the lack of a particular single note that's driving through the, um, through the uh, distillate itself, um, and the fact that it, like I said, that it was oak, that it has been oak aged. Um, I'm going to begin to narrow this down. I'm going to say, and we're going to start that this could be a rum. It could be a cognac or a brandy. It could be a whiskey of some sort. Um, so like I said, it's, it doesn't have any flavors driving through it. So it's not a particular type of liqueur. It's not really botanically brightened. So it's not a gin. Um, if it's barely aged vodka, kudos on buying that dad, um, <laughs> or finding it even. Um uh so that's kind of where I'm narrowing it down to. I think let me go on it one more time. So it's not really bright and hot enough uh, for me to expect it to be a um any sort of whiskey. There's no real like saltiness, peatiness or anything like that to show me that it could be a scotch or it's it's really, really delicate if it is a um an aged, like Irish whiskey or whiskey or bourbon, American whiskey. So I'm going to go ahead and throw those out. Um, I think that this is a brandy or a cognac of some sort. Um, It's light, it's fresh, it's clean, it's driving, you know, it just kind of like the flavors drive through. It's easy to drink. Um, There's oak aging on it, and because of that light delicateness is why I really think it's either a brandy or a cognac, and I cannot distinguish between the two right now.
1: So you threw out rum,
0: I did, well. So because of that, there's no real, like extra sweetness to it. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think that this is a rum. Okay. So a brandy, a brandy or a cognac. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. All right. <laughs> I'm not going any any farther down the rabbit hole than that. Okay. Brandy, so
1: brandy or a cognac.
0: So we'll you'll come have to, back next week. Oh, nope. Nope. not next week. No, nope.
1: no, we're doing aren't we?
0: Yep, next week we're gonna be doing. A cocktail week. We're going to be leading into uh, St. Patty's Day with our episodes. So we, so dad, what's the theme? The what's the kind of the overarching theme starting, and then what are we going to be doing for cocktails?
1: We're going to do Irish cocktails, and it's something that I don't really think of that often, because when I do Irish, when I go to an Irish party, it's like give me the Guinness. But there are a lot of Irish cocktails out there, so. I'm going to do one that is called Luck of the Irish. The Luck of the Irish. Now, I found like three different recipes, so I'm going to have to do a whole lot of research. I hope I'm ready. <laughs> a whole
0: sleep. lot of research <laughs> and a whole lot of testing. That's right. Experimenting. Um, I am going to be doing a cocktail called the Tippiary. The what? An, an Irish cocktail called the Tipiary. Okay. Um, I'm excited to get into it a little bit more. Um, it has irish whiskey and green chartreuse in it and i i'm i'm excited to i'm excited to get into it it'll be fun oh yeah it's gonna be lots of fun and i i'm
1: i'm very excited and this was this was a great tasting wasn't it Dan? it was absolutely i've got a more more fondness for uh than i had when we started i've had it like i said before maybe it's just gonna have to it's not going to sit on the shelf and do nothing. It may have to come out every once in a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know, maybe if you get if that water, you put that ice water in there, that is amazing. Yeah. So, listeners, if you haven't done that, you got a bottle of Uzo or Sambuca. It'll <laughs> work with Sambuca too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very cool. So, um, we're very happy to have you guys follow along with us. Uh, remember, we're out there on the socials. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're also out there on in TikTok land. Give us a like, follow, describe on your favorite podcast platform. Shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Acquiredtastings at gmail.com. You know, we we look forward to seeing all the all the ratings and the stars that you guys give us. And we're, we're just really happy that we can continue to do this, even though hopefully COVID is waning and you're able to get out and have more parties with your friends. Uh, we are very happy that you guys have stuck with us and continue to give us a, a listen. Yeah. And so with that, once again, I'm Josh Mills and I'm John Mills and we'll see you next time thank you and goodbye